0: Welcome back to the CTO Studio. I'm your host, Nikolai Walker. Today, our guest is Imad Georgi, and he is the former CTO of Experian and currently running his own consulting firm. And I wanna start this interview off by asking him a really important question since he's done the consulting to CTO thing. Who do you feel you're most valuable to, Mr. Georgi? To the CEO or to the CTO?
1: Definitely to the CTO. Well, the funny thing is I did, so I do a, a retro every year on my business, right? Um, and uh, the funny thing is, most of my business actually comes from CEOs. Um, and and sometimes it's under a bit of a I'll call it a false premise. Come in here, my dev team and my are uh, so slow. They we need to fix them. And then you get in there, and I really take my voice seriously as a consultant because having been a CTO for many years, I know you can have the greatest ideas in sliced bread, and then a consultant comes in, has the same idea. It's listened to. Yeah, so I, uh, you know, I take that responsibility seriously in that I can be an advocate and a voice for the truth and for the team and for the CTO where I can come in and go, okay, the premise is the team is too slow. But when we get into root causes, you start to understand, oh, well, actually, product roadmap's broken or actually they're dealing with a lot of fires and here's what the actual issue is. Um, and unfortunately, especially in this COVID era now, Everyone's so busy, they don't have time to dig into the root causes, you know, maybe once or twice. Um, And so I can come in from the outside perspective and not only look at the root causes, but surgically recommend, like, here's what we're going to do about this. So whatever we spend time and money on, we're going to fix this for the long term.
2: Now, uh, do you find that CTOs, uh, because a, a good friend of mine, Aaron Longwell, member of Seven CTOs, we had a long chat about the, 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 the consultant sort of dilemma where companies really only bring in consultants when they've admit that they've failed. And so I would imagine if, my, if I'm a CTO and my CEO calls in outside help, well, what is that communicating to me as the CTO?
1: Sure, yeah. I mean, a big part of what I initially do is you got to build trust. And part of this is to help people understand like I'm there to help. I, I've been fortunate in that, um, I mean, this is going to sound a little arrogant, but um, everyone I've worked with, I can't think of a single person i work with that hasn't become better. And the reason why, and better can be defined in a lot of different ways, right? But the reason why is that, you know, it's my life's passion. It's not just a business. My life's passion is to grow better leaders in this world. And I take that very seriously. And a part of that is got to build trust. you got to come in there and go, look, I'm here to actually help. Um, and one of the things I did when I first started the business was commit that my business is dedicated to growing and scaling and not reducing and cutting. So companies can find all sorts of people to do that. Uh, that's not what I do. Um, I'm going to come in and help you grow and scale. If you want to cut, figure out how to cut a team, that's not me. And I've turned down business uh, because of that.
2: That's like the first, like I come in and that's like, just so you know, I'm, I'm not here to cut, I'm here to grow.
1: And, and still sometimes you might be brought in like, okay, well, we need to cut this team in half. But then you dig in and you find out, actually, that's not the problem. And I've got some stories to share on that as well in a bit. But, you know, um, I'm dedicated to growing and scaling. And I had a client once tell me after a week with them, they said, if you could productize the way you build trust... But part of that is just, you know, having worked with a number of teams that were extremely difficult in the beginning. And I mean, there's people in companies now, and it's not their fault, where after so many years of being burnt out, after so many years of rejected opportunity or lack of growth, they close that little window of hope that anything could actually change. And I think it's our responsibility as leaders to come in and get them to just open it a bit just a bit, and then follow through like a motherfucker. That's the technical term. Um, and let them know that, actually, no, we can't change, and you do have a role in this. And if you are able to spark that, boy, all sorts of magical things can happen.
2: So it sounds like it's a mission to restore some self-belief and, and rise some, some self-esteem. Because sometimes people are just beat down by past six failures. And it's much more
1: serious than that. When I mean, you look at companies as a whole, we're talking about technology teams here, but in general, there's a massive amount of leadership debt piling up. And you could look at all layers of society to apply that. And I think it's our responsibility to start chipping away at that deliberately, and resolving this because it's it's too much for people to handle. Um, at the end of the day, everyone goes to a job because they want to take care of their families, um, but they also want to be part of something greater than themselves. They do want to believe in something, right?
2: So, uh, so you've made. Uh, so I think what I, where I kind of want to start here is you've made this transition from CTOs of large enterprises into deciding to run your own consulting firm so do you want to give us a quick um like where do you come from corporately and then i'm really curious so many ctos i talk to who want to do they want to start with sort of a side hustle and and really it's not really a side hustle it's more like I'd love to get in and solve other people's problems a little bit or be the fresh eyes on maybe a small retainer. I I love my job, and I'm still doing what I'm doing, but I do also need some creative problem-solving time in other domains. Um, All the way through to I'm just not going to – I just cannot be employed by someone. I am my own boss. I want to be my own fractional CTO to other companies. Do you want to walk us through that a little bit?
1: Sure. Once upon a time. Yeah, I've been a CTO for over 20 years now at various enterprises. And um, I also had a couple of startups. So I've done it from the ground up where I've had to you know, wear multiple hats. Uh, most recently, I was CTO at Experian, where I led global technology there, um, and a number of other enterprise brands. And I think a lot of the more enterprise brands that have brought me in brought me in because of the entrepreneurial spirit that I have, the pragmatic approach of cutting through bureaucracy. I think a lot of times uh, people come into an enterprise company and you try to figure out how to fit in as a technology leader. Like, how do I work within the system? And I would just say, fuck the system. (laughs) I would just say, hey, listen, like, what this system's actually not working. So what do we do about this? So, you know, as an example, um, one of those jobs when I came in, I had um, eight VPs reporting to me, uh, had global responsibility. They had their PowerPoints all ready to go to kind of give me the lay of the land. And, I mean, within five minutes, I got bored. And I'm like, this is okay. I mean, a lot of times, I can't even remember the last time those guys actually spoke to their teams, right? So now we're we're, we're debating in a meeting, talking in a meeting about it, 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 the matrix. It's not actually the truth, it's a different, it's a fake world that we've you know, developed with pie charts and graphs and all sorts of stuff. And, you know, I want to get to the truth. I'm a truth lover. I want to get to the truth. So I said, hey, when was the last time you uh, attended a sprint review? Oh, we don't have time for that. We have meetings all day. What are you talking about? So the very next day, as the CTO um, of a thousand plus organization globally across 30 different countries, I attended every sprint review for the next two weeks. And then I went back to my meetings and said, here you go. I made the time. Now you have no excuse. And here's what I learned, by the way. I learned all sorts of different things that are actually the opposite of what you're telling me. And so some of those things, you know, you've got to, I mean, and that's not scalable. You can't attend every sprint review, of course. But it was making a point. It's like, look, you know, whether you're in an enterprise company or you're at a startup, you've got to stick to doing the work to be in the weeds and stick to the truth.
2: Well, and I think, I think, think, I think you're highlighting sort of that first... 100 days approach which is uh, I need to be like I I almost think to myself you got to be just be in all the meetings from the smallest to the biggest uh, because you need to hear what people have to say. Um, You need to see how they're processing things and to get to that truth.
1: That's exactly right. Um, I'll give you a quick story about that. I don't uh, don't know how we get into this but we're going to get into it. Um, There was a story that I I love it. This is why I love talking to you. Uh, There was a story I heard many years ago, true story, about the CEO of a dog food company. And um, their sales just started to tank. And he couldn't understand why. And he said, okay, well, we have a marketing problem. So he went to his CMO and they changed the campaigns. Still nothing. Um, They said, okay, well, our marketing department must suck. So they fired a few people, put them on plan, brought in new folks the same problem. Then they're like, okay, well, our marketing team is just not working. So they let go of the CMO and the entire marketing team. They outsourced marketing to an agency. Still the same thing. Finally, out of frustration, and now we're going on three to four quarters of lack of performance. And as a CEO, you know what that happens, what the risk is. So he got up out of frustration, all-hands meeting, and just said, I don't know what to do. And in the very back of the room, one of the lower-level managers sort of raised his hand and said, I know the problem. I said, please, like, tell me. And the manager said, the dogs don't like the food. And it was like, what? <laughs> so, you know, like in the CEO's mind, he's making quick decisions, he's being decisive. right? He, he hired an agency, he fired the marketing team, he did this, but he was focused on the exact wrong thing. And this happens in every team and company. We think we know what the problem is, And even if we act quickly, we're actually making it worse. And so that's why it's so important to actually have people that are plugged into the ground floor, into our customers, into our team members.
2: Yeah, and I think that's the skill that every executive should bring to the table. But I think specifically with CTO types, the root root cause analysis.
1: Yes. I mean... One thing that I heard I, I drives me crazy about, um, you know, so I coach a lot of technology, uh, first-time technology managers as well, the CTOs. But um, the advice that people get is, okay, well, now you need to focus on people. You know, leave the engineering. That was when you were an engineer. Now you're a manager. You've got to now focus on people, which there's some credit to that. But actually, we bring, as technologists, we bring something very unique to the leadership table. And that's that engineering mentality. I actually coach people to never use it because our mentality is, what did we get into code? Like, why did I get into it? It's black and white. I understand exactly what the problem is. It doesn't compile, it doesn't build. I debug the hell out of it and I get it to work, right? So, and I don't stop until it works. So that mentality of getting to root cause and solving it at the root, that needs to stay with you as an engineer.
2: Well, so so let's explore something for a second. Um, Oftentimes, as entrepreneurs, we're taught that we have to hire the right people to get the things done. Let's just, as a thought experiment, put that on its head and say, identify the things and then have the people do it.
1: That's right. I mean, that's what I dedicated with my clients is that whatever solution we work on is going to be so surgical to the exact root cause – that you will only spend money and time on that, and then it will be solved forever. And a, a, I was gonna say, a big, a, you know, a, a, a very flippant, I think, solution oftentimes is we just need to hire more people. You hear that from business people, you hear that from techies too. Like, oh, if we only had three more people, right? And sometimes that's not the issue. Sometimes the issue is actually not giving my existing people an opportunity, you know, because I believe like one of the principles of leadership is for us to dig into our people and understand the hidden gems in the organization. Like sometimes someone just needs a different shot or a different training or whatever, and that's often a lot easier than bringing someone in from the outside.
2: Uh, It requires effort to understand, to put yourself in someone's shoes. So it requires effort. Effort requires time, and there are only so many hours in the day. So I think by you going straight to those sprint review meetings you're basically bypassing everyone's opinions bias exhaustion numbness and and you go straight to the thing and you're demonstrating i want to learn about the thing i i want to know the thing that you're working on i want to i want to I, like, I I respect you enough to want to work on you with your thing instead of, I respect you so much, I don't want to know about the thing because I have to go do this other thing. And so when you can cut through that, you can, your people are, I mean, I think it's going to be tricky when your people say, whoa, what is the CTO of Experian doing in our meetings? Is someone getting fired?
1: Yes, uh but then they get used to it. Um and so part of it is, you know, that's building trust too, is like you um over time show them that actually there isn't a consequence to doing that.
2: Yeah. And then also and also in mod I'm thinking if you can if you then can show on that thing or on that ticket or on that item or the problem that's trying to be solved that you're actually adding a little bit of value to that. Like, oh, have you guys considered maybe you know what would happen if we if we did this instead of that, and you're you're just demonstrating that you're in there with your people. I I, I think that that requires so much effort though because you're thinking, oh, if for me to understand whether we should replatform this particular microservice, I have to now go in and and we of all people know how much effort it takes. To, to think about the pros and cons, to try and then imagine future scaling issues. Uh, but that requires so much effort that we we resist doing that stuff. I know some CTOs who don't even log into their own products because it's 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 customer service. I'm like, I don't want to do that.
1: Yeah. That's a big no no. I mean that's a you know, as engineers, what do we one of the values that we have, whether you know it or not is first-hand experience. Experiential knowledge is so key because um, as you rise up in leadership, one of the things I've noticed is that um, you get really extreme levels of granularity of information. So you either get really broad brushstrokes or you get a focus on a very specific event. Like, hey, did you hear, Mr. CTO, that in the last sprint review of this team, um, a mod that problem developer, he was bitching and moaning and complaining and we really have a cultural problem here. And it could have been that the guy was just having a bad day or whatever, but all of a sudden now we're talking about it in a leadership circle. And it's like, what? What? What's going on? So either you're talking about something super granular that's not indicative of the bigger problem, or you're talking in a broad brushstroke like, we've got to rewrite the whole architecture. And then you attend a sprint review and they're like, actually, I developed a set of APIs to integrate, our legacy says, oh, cool, okay. Um, so, you know, it, you oftentimes find the truth is actually a lot less extreme than the things that you're discussing. And the way I, I coach people on, too, with this, this whole sprint review thing is that one sprint review I attended for whatever, an hour or two, is more valuable than my full day of meetings. I probably learned more in that that could fuel my strategy. Um, one of the things I love to do on sprint reviews is um and sometimes just for fun i'll say it on the way out but um uh on the way out of the review is oh so all these uh changes that we need to make i don't want to see a single one of those in the next sprint review and people what and i think part of that is some of that is realistic and some of that is not you know some of more systemic issues but the key is if we're coming up with improvements in the sprint review it's not to document an action item look at trends it's, we got to actually change it. Like, when you go into the next spring, you got to carve out time to actually change it and make it better.
0: Thanks again for joining us here in the CTO Studio. Uh, If you would like to, would you please go over and visit 7CTOs.com and say hello to Imad. I'm sure he would love that. Uh, As well as join us for this type of conversation and on this topic or others at the CTOstudio.fm. And if you don't mind, would you please subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. As always, we will see you next time. Also, on our next show, we will be talking in depth about sprint reviews. We'll see you there.